So today is Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, the Super Bowl of Christianity. And let me tell you something. Let me give you a little inside scoop that you may not know, but Easter has a way of stressing pastors out. Most pastors, I would probably guess this week, has been a very tense week. Because expectations are always super high. And it's easy to feel really overwhelmed when you come on Easter. And I understand the, 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 the emotions of that feeling overwhelmed and the expectations being heightened. And, and it's a lot of pressure on Easter sometimes because you feel like you've got to come here and you've got to say something that's going to knock it out the park. And for many people, maybe it's your first time here. And, you know, if, if I say something great today, if I make this, this service amazing for you, you know, some of you might come back for Christmas, perhaps, maybe, maybe not, you know. And, and, and the pressure is there to say, like, i got to make inter- uh, Easter interesting. i got to make Easter profound for you. And a lot of pastors fall to that. And I sit sometimes and I think, really? I, I got a, you know, a man came, born of a virgin. God's son lived here with us, lived a sinless life, went to the cross willingly, right, to take on your sin and my sin so that through his death, we could be made right with Jesus, with, with, with God, with, with Him, with Jesus, right? And not only that, but, but He resurrected from the dead. A dead man walked out of the grave three days later and, and, and ascended into heaven and now has made a way for all of us to know God personally and intimately. And I think to myself, what could I say to make that sound interesting? There's nothing I could say. It's, it's a little crazy sometimes when I think of, of, of what churches do on Easter to make, in, to make the story of Easter very interesting, right? And, 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 you know, I have a little confession here. I, and I know some churches do this, right? And God bless them for doing that. But the show, sometimes I don't get. And I see sometimes the YouTube videos of a Jesus falling off a cross. You know, have you ever seen these kind of Easter fails? There's one, and we're not going to do this today, and I just want to show it to you, because this is the kind of pressure that the American church has put to make the resurrection of Jesus seem interesting to people. Look at this video. Now, I I knew someone said, you know, pyrotechnics, it's the way to go this Easter. You know, and what I love about that video is Jesus didn't, the Jesus, you know, not, well, Jesus never missed a beat, but the Jesus in the play, he didn't miss a beat, right? He came out, yes, stepping over the fire, and, uh, you know, the singer, Jesus is risen. And then, then, you know, the, 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 the church deacons all run up there with the fire. Hey, we're not going to do that today. I, I, I feel personally for me, the, the, the pressure is off of me today. Uh, I'm not stressing about this message. I, I, th- I think about how Jesus preached, and Jesus didn't have to worry about a flat screen or a band or microphones or, or lights or a stage. Jesus didn't have to uh, worry about any of that. When Jesus taught, he taught in parables, he taught in stories, he taught in a way that people could connect to. And when I think about Jesus and how he taught like these multitudes of people, right? In Luke 8, there's, a, there's a, a, an encounter where Jesus is becoming very popular and he's viral. 
if there was YouTube back then, Jesus would have like, you know, a, a ton of followers and he would have, you know, the commercials and everything. But, but Jesus is becoming very popular and a crowd comes to see him and, and Jesus is standing on a boat in the water, which is really cool, you know. And he, he's teaching the people that are there on the shore, and they've all come. Who is this Jesus? I mean, this guy's raising people from the dead. This guy is he's, he's healing people, and the, the blind are seeing, and those who are, are lame are walking. They want to hear Jesus teach. And, it, and it's kind of like Forrest Gump when he finally stops running, and he turns around, and all those people are there, and they stop, and they say, shh, he's going to talk. Everyone listens to Jesus, and and Jesus from this boat uh, begins to teach. And, he, and Jesus says, yeah, there was a farmer and the farmer had some seeds and he, he threw some on the ground and you know, some fell uh, on the sidewalk and they didn't grow and some fell over here where there was some rocks and it kind of started to grow a little bit but then it stopped and then some fell among the thorns and the thorns didn't let it grow. But then some fell on good soil and it grew like a lot, like a hundred times what the farmer planted. Uh, that's it. Thank you. And that was it. You, if we were there, we, it would have been like a major letdown. Like, I came all this way. I stood in line. I bought a ticket, right? I, I, I bought the Jesus merch. I got my, my card and everything. And, and that's it? A farmer throwing some seeds, right? That's why I have here the picture of these seeds just kind of being thrown. And even the disciples were like, that's it? You're talking about just throwing some seeds, Jesus? People came to see you. And Jesus is like, look, if they get it, great. If they don't, you know, whatever, that's it. And in Luke chapter 8, in verses 9, we see that the disciples question Jesus. And they say, what did this mean? What did this mean when you talked about that there was a farmer throwing seeds and it came on different types of soil? What did, what did that mean? And look at the words of Jesus here from Luke chapter 8. It says, His disciples asked Him, what does this parable mean? He replied, you are permitted to understand. So you guys get it. Because you guys want the things of God. But I use parables to teach others so that the Scriptures might be fulfilled. And then Jesus goes and He quotes the Old Testament. And look at what He says here. He says, when they look, they won't really see. He's talking about the multitudes. He says, when they look, they won't really see. And when they hear, they won't understand. Now, if anything, the disciples who probably wanted a clarification, this probably confused them even more. Who teaches anything so that people won't understand? But Jesus was teaching us about how our hearts are prepared to receive the Word of God. So to me, the pressure is off me today. I want to do what Jesus did. I just want to throw some seeds today. Today I'm just throwing seeds. That's it. I'm just throwing seeds. Because Jesus goes on to explain the parable. And he says the seed is the Word of God. That image there of you see of an open hand with the seeds in it, that's the Word of God being released. That's the Word of God being preached. And that's, that, that's, that, to me, that's what I have to do today. I can't make you love Jesus. I can't make you want to follow Him. I cannot make you bend your knee to Him and surrender to Him. But I can throw this seed. You see, the seed is the Word of God. The soil where it lands, that's, that's you. 
That's the people. That's us. That's our hearts where this word lands. And what Jesus is teaching them is that the seed that lands on hard ground, those people are not listening. They don't want to hear it. That seed is never going to go anywhere because it's like throwing seed on the cement. And the seed that lands on, on, the, on the rocky ground, those people say, Woo, yeah, Jesus, this sounds great. I, I, I like this. But as soon as some trial comes, as soon as some hard time comes, the, the, it stops growing because on rocky soil, the seed can never take root. And when there's no roots, it's not deep. So as soon as something you know, hard comes, boom, it's gone. And the thorns are the people who say, yeah, I want it, you know, but I have a lot going on, and you know, I'll try to squeeze Jesus in my schedule. And eventually the thorns of life squeeze Jesus out, and those seeds don't go anywhere. But those who have good soil, those are the ones Jesus wants to speak to. And those are the ones today, those of you who have come today and says, I, I want to hear this truth. I know I'm here for a reason. Jesus wants to speak to you. God's seed, His Word, wants to enter your heart. So listen, let me be very, very clear. I have no interest today in watering the sidewalk. In church, we're really good at watering the sidewalk. We'll water the alley. We'll water the streets. We'll water where the thrones is. But like Jesus was teaching here from this boat, I, I want to talk to those today who are, who are ready to hear. Who say, my heart is ready. Jesus says, let those with ears hear and understand my word. And listen, if, if you're not ready to hear God's word today, I can't help you. There's nothing I could say. There's nothing I could do. It's your heart condition. So what does this mean today for us? What does this mean today about these four soils here, the, these four uh, types of ground here? You know, the people who are like this cement, you know, you, you're here today and, and maybe you came today because... You know, your wife told you if you come, you don't have to go to my in-law's house, you know, or, or someone bribed you with, a, with a, a, you know, a lunch after this or something like that. Listen, I could preach all day at you and the seed's just going to bounce off of you. It's not going to go anywhere. You don't really want to hear it. Because it's hard ground. The seed will never take root in that. And there's some of you here, maybe, you know, you're, you're rocky ground where you're saying, yeah, I want this. this. This sounds great. I mean, I know Jesus could change me. I know Jesus could come in here. And, and, and as soon as something happens in your life, as soon as you leave here and you go back to a crummy marriage or you go back to work tomorrow to that job that you hate or you get in a fight with your cousins or with your friends and you see the social media post that burns you up, as soon as you see that, you know, the seed's gone. Because it's rocky ground. It never reaches deep within you. It doesn't penetrate. And then there's some of you who are like, you know, the, the thorns. And you say, yeah, I want that. But, you know, let me finish this project first. Let, let, me, let me deal with my, my, my son's little league. You know, let me finish this job. You know, I, I got many responsibilities. I got a, my kids. I got my bills. I got my fantasy baseball league. I got my inbox. I got a clear pastor. I got to deal with some texts. And, 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 and you have this idea, well, it's just the Word of God. I mean, it's no big deal. I'll bury it somewhere at the bottom of my purse. And if I get to it, I'll get to it. But if I don't, you know, it's okay. It's just the Word of God. The thorns of life will come and crush the seed that's trying to get into your heart. But there's some of you here, I believe there's some of you here, who you're this person. 
You're that soil that's ready. And you're saying, I'm ready for this. Give it to me. I want to hear it. I want to know the Word of God. I want to know what God has to say about my life. I know He could change anything. I know He could grab my heart and make me brand new. So I want this today. And listen, those are the ones that Jesus wants to speak to today. So the pressure is off me. All you need is the right soil. Because when you understand the right soil, you'll get it. You'll get what I'm saying today. It'll make sense to you. You'll become like the person in the Bible who says, had a field and they discovered a treasure in the field and there was a treasure in this field so this man covered the treasure back up, went and sold everything he had because he said, I'm going to give everything so I could get the treasure that's in that field. You see, that guy got it. He understood what the treasure in the field meant. What the treasure in the field meant was that he could have a relationship with God. And he was willing to give up everything for it. I'll sell everything. Just give me that field. Give me that treasure. Those of you who come with that type of heart today, you're going to receive this message. If you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. You see, what's at stake here is that some of you who are here, you could have a real relationship with God. That's what's at stake, guys. Listen, uh, you know, when you go to God and you pray, it's just not about closing your eyes and letting some words kind of fall out of your mouth that are not connected or rooted in anything. What I'm saying is that you could have a true, real, personal relationship with God i got to tell you, there's been times in my life where I, I've, I've been at the bottom of the bottom, right? And I've spoken to Him. And you know what? He's heard me. And, and i got to tell you, there's moments where I've experienced and I can't explain it. There's no human kind of rationalization around this. But all I could tell you is that, guys, there was times where I was at the bottom of the, of the pit in my life. And I cried out. And I raised my voice to heaven. And God heard me. And He filled me up. And He changed me. Altered my course. Changed my destiny. Changed my heart. Changed my mind. And I say, no way. It can't be anything else but God. That's what's at stake today. That's what you have the ability to embrace and experience today. Some of you will get that. And some of you, uh, you know, my text messages... Some of you are on your phones right now, right? It's like, if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. Because this personal relationship with God is what matters in our life. Last week I shared about how Jesus, the Son of God, was there in the garden and, and He's feeling crushed. Jesus, right? Because He's fully God but yet fully human, is feeling the anguish of knowing He's about to endure the cross of knowing that he's going to be separated from God. And he's pleading with his father. Mind you, he's addressing God. And he's saying, Father, he's saying, Dad, look, I know you could do anything. I know you're all-powerful. I know you created the universe. You could do this. Please, let this cup pass from me. I want you to put your place in that father. Imagine your son or your daughter coming to you, crying in anguish, sweating drops of blood, pleading with you to not do this to them, how would you respond? 
I know any parent would say, yes, of course, son, of course, daughter, I'm going to pull this weight off of you. I'm going to remove you from this suffering. But God doesn't. God doesn't. Three times Jesus pleads with God, His Father, to let this cup pass from Him. And three times Jesus prays, not my will, but your will. What was the will of God? We see it in Isaiah 53.10 where it says, but it was the Lord's good plan to crush Him and to cause grief. I've struggled with that, that it was the Lord's good plan. What seems good about this? I mean, Jesus is about to be crushed. Jesus is about to be tortured and beaten and killed. What's good about this? Let me tell you what's good about it. Is that in Jesus, God was demonstrating His fairness and His mercy. You see, because it was only the offering of Jesus that could cancel the debt of our sin. It's only the offering of Jesus that would make it possible for us to gather here 2,000 years later where some of you would come and some of you would get it and some of you would not get it. It's only the offering of Jesus that was good, that was good enough for God to show His mercy and for God to show His fairness, His justice. Because God could have just forgiven all of us. He could have just said, you're all forgiven. But that would not be fair. Because to every crime, to every debt, there's a price, there's a punishment. So God had to show that He was fair, that He was just, that He was a God of honor and integrity and character by offering His Son as our sacrifice. And it's that way that He shows you mercy. Because He should have crushed us. He should have punished us. We should be indebted to Him. But He shows you mercy, not by crushing you, but by crushing Jesus on the cross so that you might be made right with God. That's what makes it a good plan. I like that plan. That's why Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, he said, for God made Christ He said, for God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we might be made what? Right with God. You see, it's only Jesus that makes you right with God. I know too many people who are so secure, and I'm I'm a good person. I mean, do I really need Jesus? Do I really need to give my life to Jesus? Because I'm a good person. I pay my bills, I pay my taxes, I don't break any laws, I'm raising my kids as good as I can, they get a little cuckoo sometimes, but you know, all in all, they're okay, right? I mean, I'm living an honest life, and hey, I, I, I put $20 in the offering today. I mean, I'm good, I'm a good person, do I really need Jesus? You know, Paul, who wrote this, of all people, had the qualifications of what would be a good person. I mean, he was a Jew, he had given his life to Christ, he wrote most of the New Testament. I mean, the guy was planting churches, the guy was jailed for Jesus, he came free, led many to Jesus, had performed miracles for Jesus. He says, hey, if anyone should brag about being good enough, I should have the right to brag about being good enough. Because look at my resume. But I love what Paul says in Philippians. In Philippians 3. As Paul thinks about this argument, well, uh, do I need to be made right with Jesus because I'm a good person? Jesus, 
you know, do I really need to bow my knee to him because, hey, I, I, overall, I'm good. This is what Paul has to say about being good. He says, I once thought these things were valuable. He says that now I consider them worthless. He's talking about all the good things he had on his resume because of what Christ has done. He says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He says, all of this is worthless. All these qualifications. He says, for his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. I no longer count on my own being good because I'm raising a decent family. Because I pay my bills on time. Because I'm an honest person. Because I don't break the law. He says, I no longer count on my own abilities, my own righteous through obeying the law. Rather, he says, look at here, I have become right. He's become right with God, not through what he's done, but through what? Faith in Christ. For God's way of making us what? Right. With himself depends on faith. Paul is literally saying, look, everything that I could do that makes me a good person, that's all just a bunch of crap. That word garbage there, the, the more literal translation literally means manure. It means crap. I mean, you, really, you need to think about who are you going to stand in front of? Do you really think you could go to, in front of this holy God who sits on His throne that's, that's an all-consuming holy fire? And do you think you could go to Him with your tray of good works, which is really just a pile of crap, and say, here's my crap, God. I mean, I made it all myself, and I, I, I did it for you. Is it my good enough? It's not good enough. Listen, friend, the one who's not going to make it into the kingdom of heaven is the one who sits on earth and thinks, I'm good enough. They're not going to make it. And it doesn't matter how much, and listen, there's nothing wrong with paying your bills, raising your kids, living an honest life. Those are honorable things, and those are things you should do. But those things in front of a holy God who's an all-consuming fire does not complete the requirement of entering into heaven. Does not. The only way to be made right with God, like Paul writes, is in faith in Jesus. Through the sacrifice of Jesus. Listen, Paul understood that at the cross there was this great exchange that happened, that there was this trade that happened where, where your sin and your junk and your issues and your brokenness were put on Jesus. He took that. He bore that. He lived that. That was, that was all put on Him on the cross. You traded that so that in return you could have got the, 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 the man, just the, the beautiful whiteness and purity of Jesus, right? The, the Bible says being white as pure as snow. The, the righteousness of Jesus was traded onto you because there was this great exchange. He took your sin and you got His righteousness. 
And Paul's, yeah, amen. Somebody should praise God for that. So now that you stand before God on the day of your judgment, you no longer have to say, look at my pile of crappy good works, God. Now Jesus looks at you. God the Father looks at you and He sees the righteousness of Jesus on you. And the Bible says you're presented to God without blame, without spot, without wrinkle. Righteous. Why? Because of this great exchange. That's why Paul understood this exchange. That's why Paul wanted it. That's why Paul said, look, all this thinking I'm a good person, that means nothing. It's only Jesus that can make me right with God. Some of you are going to get that today. Some of you are just not. Paul goes on to write here. He says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised Him from the dead. That's so important because some of you might be saying, well, you know, I've tried this before. I tried the whole church thing. Hey, I know the resurrection story. I probably know it better than some of the people who are church attenders in this room. And I know about Jesus. I've been learning about Jesus my whole life. I know about Jesus. Look, man, I've tried this already. This doesn't work. This whole church thing, it's not happening. You know, it's, 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 it's just not me. I don't want any part of it. And I understand your argument. Listen, you know about Jesus, but that's only half of what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying, I want to know Jesus. But he's also saying that he wants to experience And what you have in knowledge, you lack in experiencing the touch of God's power through the Holy Spirit in your life that changes your heart, changes your mind, alters your destiny. Yeah, you know Jesus, but you've never experienced that power. Because if you experienced that power, you wouldn't say this thing doesn't work because Jesus always works. He always works. And listen, I, I, I've heard from people who've said, you know, hey, I know church people. They ain't living any better than me. As a matter of fact, I'm living better than some of them. I've heard that argument before. And you know what? Let me tell you something. I would agree with you on many, many examples of that. Listen, just because someone sits in a church doesn't make them a true Christian. Any more than you sit standing in a garage makes you a car. Just because you stand in a garage does not make you a car. Just because some people sit in a church building does not make them a true Christian. So hey, if you ran into some phony, fake Christians, hey, not everyone is real. But you have the opportunity today to be the real deal and come in and experience the mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead. You have that opportunity today. Some of you will get that. Some of you will not. You see, it's, it's, it's not about religion. It's not about joining new life. It's not about you know, following some rules. It's about being full of the this, of this, of this Spirit that, that God now puts inside of you. And when you're full of that Spirit, it says here, I want to suffer with Him. I want to share in Jesus' death. And then verse 11, it says there that, that so that one way or another, I will experience, again, you see there, Paul emphasizing, it's not enough just to know It's to feel and experience this resurrection power in your life. He says, I want to experience the resurrection from the dead. 
hey, my spirit man, I know about God, but my spirit man is dead. I want to experience the, the, the aliveness of my spirit man connecting with God. Hey, my marriage is falling apart and it looks, it looks DOA. I mean, it's dead on arrival, but I want to experience the resurrection power in my marriage. Hey, I know I have addiction issues and there's problems that I have and I'm enchained to this and my fight is dead. My, my, my energy is dead. I have no more want or desire to fight against this addiction. But I want to experience the resurrection power of Jesus to overcome this addiction, to feel freedom in Christ. You see, it's not enough to know. You must experience the mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead. That same power is available to you today. Some of you will get that. Some of you will not. You know, in the temple, this, this, this power that comes to you is, is through receiving the Holy Spirit. One of the most misunderstood and often not taught ideas in church is the idea of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is. And I'm not going to get into a whole, you know, uh, theological lesson today on the Holy Spirit. You know, one day we'll, we'll get there and it'll be great. But, but it's, it's, this, it's the presence of God now inside of you. It's the power of God now inside of you. You see, back in the day in the temple... Um, the, the people of Israel believed that God's presence was only in this building. God's presence couldn't leave here. It was only in this temple where God's presence was. And it wasn't even in the whole temple, but it was in this innermost chamber called the Holy of Holies where you see the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, yeah, kind of like from Indiana Jones, right? It looks just like it. They did a good job, right? There's no Nazis in this picture, though. And you see, in, in these times, when there was the temple, um, the, the high priest, once a year, only one time a year, was allowed to enter behind this curtain. Behind this curtain, you see a curtain there. It's kind of broken to give you what it looks like. Once a year, a high priest would cross on the other side of that curtain and go before the presence of God where the Ark of the Covenant was. And he needed to be prayed up. He needed to be in right standing. And what they would do, just in case because he was human, what they would do is they would tie a rope around his ankle before he walked in there. Because some priests would go in there, and the reason why they were going in there was to pray for the people, to intercede for the people. They weren't going in there to say, hey, God, what's up? Let's talk. You know, how you doing? No, they were going to pray for the nation. And if that high priest was not right with God, he would drop dead. Because no man could, could, could survive the glory of God's presence, the holiness of God's presence. So what they would do is they would tie a rope around his ankle in case he dropped dead in the Holy of Holies. There was a team there ready to pull him out. You couldn't go in there and get him because then you would drop dead and it would create like a pileup, you know. There'd be just a bunch of dead people there. So if they would hear that his body hit the floor, they would say, oh man, sorry, let's get him. But once a year, and, and what, what the Holy Spirit is, is you see, when, when, when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says at the very moment where he said, it is finished, and he cried to his Father, that's it, it's done, it is finished, it's complete, that in this temple, in this very temple, that this curtain, this curtain that would separate, that would separate people 
follow me here, that would separate people from the presence of God, right? This curtain separated people from the presence of God. When Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says that that curtain was torn. No one walked in there and tore it. Supernaturally, it tore on its own. Because what Jesus' sacrifice on the cross meant now is that anybody can make access into the holies of holies. That you could experience the presence of God in your life. It's open to everybody. You no longer have to be a high priest. Hey, you could be broken, sinful, scoundrel of a person, just like Paul was. And he experienced the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Why? Because this Spirit had now came into him. You see, even back into the Old Testament, the prophets prophesied that God's Spirit would leave this temple. It would, he, God would say through the prophets, my spirit is no longer bound to this building, but it's going to be in human flesh. And you now become the temple. When I look at this room, I see a bunch of temples of God where the Spirit of God is alive and well and living and active in them. And then look at what Ezekiel says here. He says, I will give them an undivided heart. He's talking about the Spirit now coming inside of you. Remember, the heart is the soil, right? The soil that either receives the seed or, or chokes it away or just rejects it. He says, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will put my spirit in these people and I will remove from their heart of stone and I will give them a heart of flesh. And they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. The Spirit of God in you. Listen, we don't have it in our own strength to follow the decrees of God. We don't. The flesh is weak. You need the Spirit of God. What allows this heart change? What allows this this renewing of your heart, this, this heart transplant from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh, this power that, that completes that in your life, the power that, that, that you get to break patterns of sin in your life, to repent and to change the way you think and to change the way you love and to change the way you talk and to change the way you interact with people, that's experiencing the resurrection. It's real change from the inside out. So leave the excuses of I've tried it, I've done that, I've prayed it. Hey, in my younger days, I used to go to church. Hey, the church is full of hypocrites. The church hurt some of the foolishness you see the church doing. At the end of the day, what really matters, at the end of the day, what really matters, and hear me well, is going to be the condition of your soil. Some of you are listening today and you're saying, man, this is making so much sense. It's scary. It's scary how much sense this is making to me. Listen, God is speaking to you. That's not it being weird. I believe the Spirit of God is moving in some of you right now and He's speaking directly to you and if you feel your heart saying wait what's going on here i don't know i didn't come here expecting this man i wanted i wanted the lunch after church i didn't come here to expect to hear something like this right right i don't know listen god is speaking to you god is working in you and he's asking you today that's what matters who are you 
today. Today matters. And what Jesus is asking you, He's asking you, do you believe what I did for you on that cross? Do you believe that? Because when you invite Jesus in, listen, the change starts today. Some of you will get that. Some of you will not. And some of you will be worried about your past experiences and you'll make every excuse. But some of you are going to say, I'm ready for this today. I want this today. Listen, God is not begging you. God doesn't need to beg you. I'm not into stats. I'm not worried about how many people are going to give their life to Christ today. That pressure is off of me. What I am asking you is, do you believe? Do you believe in this Jesus? And listen, some of you are saying, hey, you know, is, is this the only way? I mean, isn't there another way? I mean, there's got to be another way to God. Are you really saying that it's only through this here, you know, this gospel that I'm hearing, this message of Jesus on the cross? Is this the only way to God? Yes, this is the only way to the Father is through Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no other way to God in heaven but through Jesus Christ, His Son. Some of you will get that today. Some of you will not. There isn't 50 other ways. He is the only way. He is the only way to salvation. He is the only way to redemption. He is the only way to completion. There's no other way. Can we stand together?